0: And so, good afternoon. It's uh, Michael Benner in Maui, Hawaii. And uh, we're about to do another episode in our continuing series here our Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, but also a series called The Fly Program, Feeling Like Yourself, really a core personal and spiritual development program that uh, I taught for 25 plus years. It really emerged. Out of work, I was doing with people who and turned out this was about eighty percent of who I saw people that didn't have a particular problem, you know, no kind of uh neurosis uh well, we all have our neuroses, right, but nothing serious, right, not in any kind of crisis, although I did see a lot of people with anxiety problems over the years, but mostly people who were looking to use. States of deep relaxation, not only the antidote to anxiety and stress, but also a state of expanded awareness, insight, and, and understanding to uh, really kick it into gear. These uh, are healthy and happy people um, who, like all of us, have their problems, but they just wanted to kick in the afterburners. And so uh, I came up with this training. It just emerged from the best of meditation and hypnotherapy. And that's what it is, meditative hypnosis. And uh, the first three that we've done till now have all been about emotional intelligence. The first was self-love, the idea that all love flows through your own love for you. Just as you can't have hurt that is really about anybody but you or anger or hatred or upset that um, is more about the stimulus than about you all those hurt feelings as we've discussed are evoked from us by stimulus and they're very personal emotions are the essence of subjectivity we have to take responsibility for our hurt and we talked about that in sessions two and three last week and the week before that but doesn't that also mean we have to take responsibility for the love in our lives you see And to know that you already have the love you're looking for. Indeed, you are the love you're looking for. And that's really where we began. Number one was self-love a few weeks back. And then we talked about healing the inner child and uh, attending to your inner child at various stages. Uh, Four or five years old, very important. Up to six or seven, very important stage. Um, uh, Of course... uh, The teenage years, uh, puberty, as it's called, as if it's only a hormonal thing. It it certainly is hormonal, but there's a lot more to becoming a teenager and standing between child and adult. And then, of course, infancy, and and this can be really challenging because so much of it is pre-verbal. But um, inner child work we discussed, and then last week, well, what about our current feelings? What about what I'm feeling right now, good or bad, happy or sad? What's the language of those feelings? And uh, how can I see emotional feelings as a kind of intelligence, a way of understanding myself? And, of course, the first rule is to calm down, to <laughs> to to breathe into and relax your emotional feelings so that they become manageable and the allegory of the pool is a very important one ancient allegory, ageless wisdom if the pool of water is undisturbed you can see into it, if it's got little waves or wind chop on it you, it's it's distorted then your emotions cannot be reflected clearly but When you breathe and relax, ah, feel safe. You know, that's what nirvana means. It's a sigh of relief. You know, heaven (laughs) in Buddhist traditions is the relaxation, uh, the feeling of letting go. When you release that breath and drop the muscular tension, ah, so anyway, the pool becomes mirror-like, smooth as glass. And now you can understand the language of feelings and what your emotional feelings are telling you. okay, And how there's like physical feelings in many ways. Symptoms of something deeper in need of understanding and insight. In need of deeper reflection. Okay, There's also the concept that when the emotional waters become smooth, not only can you see deeper into the water because it's undisturbed, but more clearly what's reflected upon the surface of the water that stands above you. Some very rich allegory here. Makes you wonder if the Christian allegory of Christ walking on water was more about emotions and and not being afraid, really. Refusing to be afraid. That's how you get into Christ consciousness, its fearlessness. Or find your Buddha nature, you see, to come in touch with the energy it feels like love but also has intention and will behind it. You have that aspect of self as well. That's how we come in touch with it, is by feeling safe. Okay. So let's all do it again. Breathe and relax. Doesn't it feel good? Okay. Cigarette smokers that's what you're after. I smoked for years before I realized it was that, you know, first hit it was Ironically, that big, slow, deep breath of oxygen, and yet here I was filling it with smoke for so many years. And uh, to be able to give that up and still get the big hit of oxygen, you know, (laughs) it's real important for people as non-smokers or former smokers to remember to breathe. Everybody can benefit from breath. It, It hardly could be overstated the importance of breathing and feeling safe and relaxed. Okay. And if you're ever in real danger, gosh, don't worry about that. You've got this amygdala in the brain and it kicks into gear and you will go into either or fight or flight. Uh, it'll grab you. You see, if the danger is real, clear and present, and you'll either fight or run like hell or maybe a little of both. Um, but, of course, the vast majority of our stresses are not danger. They're just things that confuse us. And so the place to manage yourself is not fight or flight unless the danger is real, clear, and present. Fine. But when you're making important management decisions about your life, it's a good idea to dedicate some closed-eye time to that reflection then. And although many women and men have been doing this since the beginning of time in all cultures around the world, the resistance of most people to sitting quietly and feeling relaxed is amazing. I I think if we haven't done a program just on resistance to meditation, I don't think we have. Maybe we should. Um, It's like, oh, no, don't make me do nothing and imagine a beautiful place of peace and paradise, oh no, don't make me do that. I'm way too busy i'm I'm way too important and it it's all rationalization It's the ego that's saying, "Oh no, don't destroy my don't destroy me. This is ego now by realizing who you really are. ego's job is to hold on <laughs> that's what it does that's what's digging in its heels, you know even though some higher uh, part of us longs for this kind of information. And look at the books on your shelves, and and, uh, hopefully you've just immersed yourself in this whole idea of personal and spiritual development, that we can be better at serving other people. What a, at first, seeming irony that you have to work on yourself to transcend that self, that you have to develop the true sense of self to be any good to anybody in the world. The number of people that have come to me over the years with career problems, for example, and uh, they say, well, you know, Michael, I thought of this and that, and I I just don't really know what I want to do with my life career-wise except for one thing, and, and that's that I want to help other people. So that's good. That's an important step forward to realize that, but it begs the question, help them do what? You see? And you might say, well, something that needs to be done. Well, that's good too, but how about something that you really love to do and therefore are really good at that other people need? You see, get it all lined up there, and dare to put yourself first. Dare to always put yourself first, that you're more empowered at being of service to other people, so that you can maximize your contribution to other people. Okay. So now we're halfway through this fly program. You know, this this whole admittedly uh, simple and basic uh, cursory introduction, anyway. And now we go to the mental nature, Is today is session four, problem solving. We're going to talk about critical thinking in the most basic and fundamental way. Problem solving and decision making is it represents the only two kinds of problems you could ever have. Now, I think there's great joy in this, (laughs) if you're willing to consider the possibility that There might be something here for you. Uh, You know, in in spite of our constant uh, uh, caution about binary thinking and the trap of either or thinking, everything or nothing, you know, dead or alive, my side or your side, us or them, all of that stuff. uh, You know, it's a good place to begin sometimes, bifurcation, to divide things in two. And it's by dividing things into two and looking at their extremes that we find the third way, which is the middle. So, of course, when I say there's only two kinds of problems, there will be three situations. <laughs> there have to be. Everything has to have a middle. Okay? You find yourself on the poles and the extremes, the yin and yang of things. Go for the heart game. That's where the truth is. It's in the middle. It's in not just the 50-yard line, but that whole playing field between the end zones, that full swing of the pendulum. And, and often the trace is rather spiralic or even serpentine in finding the appropriateness, uh, the relative nature of the truth, the love, and the harmony that's in the middle. So bifurcating is a good place to begin. Let's bifurcate our problems. I either know what I want or I don't. How about that? You know, this was a big breakthrough for me. Twenty-five years, maybe more. Uh, I was, I was a young man just out of college. I had taken a program called Silva Mind Control, S-I-L-V-A. Silva Mind Control. Interviewed its uh, creator and founder, Jose Silva, on the radio a half a dozen times over the years. Uh, he was a pretty remarkable guy, and just passed a few years back. His daughter is still running the silver mine Control. It's basically uh, a self-hypnosis kind of a thing, and uh, it doesn't have a whole lot of emotional work in it, but they're basically working the law of attraction, the secret, and um Few other really cool things like visualizing uh, memory pegs and glove anesthesia, which leads to uh, pain control at the dentist and accelerated healing and some psychic work. And as a result of that, even though I was in my mid 20s, I was looking at my frustration at trying to solve problems by asking myself, What should I do? That was the chant in my head when I faced a problem. Now what are you going to do, Michael? What are you going to do about this, buddy? You know, Or if other people were involved, I might say, uh, Well, what do you think I should do? Or maybe even, Well, what do you want me to do about it? I don't know what to do. And I felt like that's the way I had been taught to approach problems, as if I always knew the outcome or the goal, as if I should know the desired result, in which case it would be apparent what to do and move in the direction of your outcome. There it is over there. <laughs> and that's it. Go move toward it and do what you need to do along the way to take care of it. But I began to realize that the majority of problems in my life, uh, especially those that I was stuck in, were problems where I did not know the solution and uh, that was confusing too because school says if you know the solution the problem is solved but in real life there's lots of situations where we know the solution but we don't have the money we don't have the time we can't be in two places at once we don't know the right people we don't have the context so we have to look at both uh, sides of this coin for sure do we know what we want and I'd like to propose to you that This can be a real big breakthrough for you and your friends and associates. And uh, and do it experimentally. If you're not willing to commit to it, just play around with it. You have to be conscious enough, however, to remind yourself anytime you're facing a problem that the question you need to ask yourself, rather than what should I do, is do I know what I want? Okay, note takers, write that one down. Do I know what I want? Has it occurred to you yet, or enough times, that the reasons that we don't have what we think we want is that we don't really know what we want? It's not that, oh, I know what I want, but I don't know how to get it. Well, that's true sometimes, but more often, isn't the much bigger problem, gosh, I... I don't know what I want as a goal. I have some dreams, but as far as problems, I don't know what I want as solutions. These are essentially the two kinds of outcomes that we create, goals and solutions. Goals are proactive and initiated, things I want to do, be, have, whatever that I initiate. Those are my goals. Solutions are, well, life needs you to grow. And so if you choose to grow in some areas but not in others, then life creates problems in those areas where you're not growing to force you to grow, you see. Um, you'll grow one way or the other, either elegantly or digging in your heels, as, <laughs> as we described before, but we're we're all unfolding. The idea is you might as well get with the program and accelerate the process of growth and growth. And healing, and learning, and evolving, and aspiring, and becoming is is really what it's all about. So, when facing a problem, ask yourself first: Do I know what I want? Do I really, really, really know what I want? How do I know that's what I want? Because somebody said so, or because I feel it deep in my bones. Why do I want it? What would I do with it? Is it a thing, an object, a state, a condition? What is it that I want and why? And again, the place to do this reflection is not while you're driving the car, not while you're washing the dishes, although that could be somewhat meditative, uh, not while you're busy doing other things with 15 voices yelling at you inside your head, and 10 more out in the world demanding your attention that's why it's so hard to understand things because we're so resistant to sitting down for 5 or 10 minutes at a time or even 60 seconds and put it all down and relax and let the waters calm and let the mind quiet And everything that's confusion and nonsense and BS and hogwash falls away. And what remains, you can clearly see, is the mental and emotional truth of things that you were looking for. It's also obvious. Especially we know when we're under pressure we do so much worse. Wouldn't it make sense that to reverse that process, to breathe and relax, would allow you to be better at everything, at your physical performance, your your intellect, understanding problems, your emotional nature, recognizing what your feelings emotionally say about you. All right, so that's where we begin with this problem-solving, decision-making paradigm, that there's only two kinds of problems. So if the answer to the first question, not what do I do, but the first question is to be, do I really know what I want? Specific, detailed, and next week, by the way, we'll talk about decision-making, what to do if I don't know what I want. Okay, that's coming up with well, sort of a two-part series here. Problem-solving and decision-making can go hand-in-hand. That's part of this bifurcation I'm talking about. And uh, so if the answer to the first question, do I really know specifically what I want, then the only other kind of problem would be I don't know what I want. So we divide our problems into these two categories. If I do know what I want, you have one set of tools or skills that I'm going to teach you today for how to proceed toward what it is that you know that you want. If you don't know what you want, if you realize the answer to the question is, well, no, not really. I sort of thought as I got closer I'd figure it out but you know vague hazy goals create vague hazy results and people think they missed or failed and actually you did it exactly right you plant seeds that are you know um, so <laughs> vague and hazy seeds that's what you're going to grow you see goals need to be specific you get to change your mind as my partner Steve Schneider likes to say the purpose of a goal is not to attain it but to begin to move in that direction You'll always, isn't that smart? You'll always be fine-tuning and adjusting and modifying. And maybe, hell, you change your mind and you go off in a completely different direction. But you wouldn't have known to change your mind if you hadn't moved in that direction in the first place. So we got to do something. We've got to set a goal and start moving. Get off dead center. You know, Even if it's moving away from what you do not want in your life, that's a good first step. Then take a breath and orient yourself as soon as possible to what is it that I do want in my life, in career, in relationship, and what's a family look like to me. What does that mean to have a family? Okay, And um, how do I want to relate to my community and how do I want to get involved in that way, socially and politically? And You know, your dreams can't come true if you don't bother to dream them up and so this first kind of problem is really what they talk about in The Secret this is the ageless wisdom sometimes called the law of attraction or you reap what you sow or you go where you look you get what you expect what goes around comes around it's karma, it's the golden rule it's the law of attraction when you know what you want you act like you've already got it and you take positive action steps full of the passion of knowing this is a done deal. You may not know exactly how to get there yet, but like crossing a stream on stepping stones, you don't stand on one side of the stream looking at the stepping stones, wondering how you're going to do it. You just start going. You just head for the other side of the stream and know that the stones are going to be there. Okay, Throw your heart over the fence and the horse will follow. That's Lead with the heart. This is one of the big lessons of of the last part of the 20th century in research in psychology is that you don't have to wait for an outcome to harvest the feeling of the outcome. You can help create the outcome that you want by conjuring up the feeling and leading with it, you see. So you have to feel like a winner before you even begin. It's such an important concept in sports psychology, all kinds of performance, academic performance. Communication and relationships, the right way to do business, and so on and so forth. Lead with the heart. Okay. So, if you know what you want, then it's about positive thinking, isn't it? From Norman Vincent Peale on, it's about the glass is half full, isn't it? It's about creating expectation. It's also about taking action steps. Is there room for negative thinking? Let's talk about that a little bit also. How does a positive thinker, somebody who is working the law of attraction consciously in their lives, deal with negative thinking? Do we ignore it and deny it? Uh, that feels sort of stupid. I don't think we should ignore it and deny it. So these are, these are some of the points I want to make yet uh, today. I want to remind you that Next week, in Lesson 5, we'll talk about decision-making. What if the answer to this question you're promoting, Michael, do I know what I want, is no, not really. I don't. I wouldn't know the answer if it uh, was right in front of me. That's what decision-making will be about. That's what we'll talk about next week. What do we do when the answer is no? I I don't have a goal or a solution, a a desired uh, outcome or result, in mind, I just I'm, I'm totally lost. That would be the only other kind of problem. The second kind of problem, it requires that we see more choices and that we learn to make decisions. And uh, I'm even going to teach you next week how to incubate dreams, how to remember dreams. We'll talk a little about lucid dreaming and how to remember a dream to gain insight. So you'll have night dreams available to you as well as your Guided imagery in meditation. Another way to tap into the your destiny, you know, the the higher self, uh, the essence of who you really are, and the part of you that knows what you're supposed to be doing here, and uh, knows it in every moment. So, decision making will be next week, and we want to focus in on this first of these two kinds of problems. Yeah. I do know what I want, but my problem is getting there or getting it or making it happen, right? That's what we want to talk about, this kind of problem. At least I know what I want, okay? I can taste it. I can smell it. I can, I can imagine myself having it. I can close my eyes and breathe and relax and oh, effortlessly in such an open and safe way feel this success. You know, something that has to be mentioned here, when we talk about attaining desired goals and outcomes, theres I've been doing a lot of poking around on the Internet at other personal development sites recently, and I'm really a bit surprised at how much confusion there is on the topic I'm about to mention. And there's no need for it to be confusing. Happiness. I almost said happiness, my friends. I sound like John McCain. (laughs) I can't say my friends ever again now, can I? (laughs) Happiness is not a goal. Sometimes it seems like it is. I understand. Sometimes it's like something happens and you get happy and it feels like a result or an outcome. Happiness is not a goal, though it often feels that way. Happiness is the means happiness is the way the third way the middle way the center pillar the stairway to heaven the mystic's path the lateral lights whatever you want to call it it's love truth happiness is the way to success success doesn't create happiness so much as happiness is to create is a means of creating a way a via latin via a way to create a successful outcome now that may be the most important part you know, life is about the journey not the destination that's often true because as soon as you get there, whatever it is spend a few days relishing it it's time to move on there's a spiritual wanderlust in all of us um, divine homesickness that that pulls us forward We just we just can't stay right <laughs> I just gotta keep going. And, uh, so that merits mentioning. But be real clear. That's why there is no way to peace. But peace is the way. It's like so clear when you really grok it, when you really understand that peace is not a goal or an outcome or a result. Although it might appear to be, as in the absence of war, for example. But no, the way you stop war, and prevent war at home and abroad is to learn to be responsible for the peace in your life. You see, it's the inner peace that is coming out into the world in peaceful behavior and that is the way, not a result or an outcome. Peace is the way. Love is the way. These are this is the middle way. Okay, no extremes. Always somewhere between, you know, the, uh, the This goal line or the the other goal line, again, I think in the football field, you know, so many people want to play the game in the extreme, in the end zone, but that's like out of bounds. It's, you're not even on the playing field when you're out there, you know. So that's the wisdom of, of the middle. Let's talk a little about negative thinking. How does a positive thinker deal with negativity? Okay, first in yourself, because a negative thought may not really be a bad thing. A negative thought might be a very smart, intelligent, good thing. Like, whoa, wait a minute, man, Did, you're going on this long trip. Have you checked your tires? You're going on this long car trip. When was the last time you, you, you even put air in those damn tires? And what about your other fluids, you know? You, you drive around town, you don't even think about your brake fluid it's, Maybe that's a good idea. Maybe, uh, boy, I'm glad I checked that. I, you know, found out the power steering was way down, or this one tire was really low. I don't know why. But... So negative thoughts are not always negative. They they can be brilliant insights. They just seem to be negative. Right? So we are foolish if we believe that positive thinking or goal-oriented thinking or the law of attraction is the same as magical thinking. Magical thinking is a matter of degree. As described as a neurosis in the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, magical thinking is the fear that any thought that comes into your head is going to be manifested. It's a superstition. Okay, Never in in mind science or the law of attraction Uh, do you find this principle i think it should be addressed the fear that any thought is going to manifest you see plus you have this other problem with anxiety and stress the more stimulated we become the more likely we are to obsess on that thought and then become even more frightened that my obsession on this negative thought is going to cause it to manifest and then i'm going to I'm going to jinx myself. I'm going to bring it in the manifestation for sure because I can't stop thinking about it. And oddly, that creates even more stress and a greater likelihood that that vicious cycle will continue. So we have to be smart about how to think negatively. We have to have an intelligent approach to negative thinking and know that we cannot deny or ignore the negative. But then again, there is this law of attraction. So if we dwell upon a negative thought, if you focus on the negative thought, if you feel strongly about it, remember the energy is the thought, but the force behind it is the emotion. Okay. So it doesn't matter if you feel strongly in an oh boy way or feel strongly in an oh no way. If we dwell on negativity and feel strongly about it in any way, we're going to tend to manifest that. See. That's not neurotic. That's just intelligent. To understand that. Okay. So I sort of think of it as a kind of a built in governor. Checks and balances for the the baby wizards that we are that, uh, you know, it's not, voila, wave the magic wand and, and manifest something. I mean, for most of us, sorcerers, apprentices, right? It'd be disastrous. So we're like baby wizards, baby Christs, baby Buddhas with this enormous power. And fortunately, we're at a level of unfoldment where we can begin to wield this power, this love, for healing and learning, bringing light into the darkness, transmuting, manifesting, as well as refining what's already been manifested in our personal lives and in the world around us. This is a pretty beautiful thing. And it requires a, a mental aspect and an emotional aspect, but that's why Steve and I call it focused passion. You have to have both the focus mentally and the passion emotionally, for it really to manifest. So don't worry about negative thoughts um, just because they go flitting through your brain from time to time. Uh, That's what the mind does. You know, the heart is encouraging. The mind is disparaging. (laughs) That's what logic does. It rips you. If you turn it on yourself, when it's really an objective mind, it's supposed to tell you about the objects around you. The emotions are subjective. They're about you. So you turn the mind to yourself, and its deductive, critical, reductionist nature is going to take you apart. I'm sure you've noticed. And um, we become sometimes even self-loathing. We're so critical and so harsh. And, and much of what hurts our spouses in, in marriage and in partnership is stuff we say to ourselves all the time because of the familiarity and ease of the relationship spills out. And it's like, who are you talking to? Oh, I'm sorry, I was really talking to myself. I talk to myself like that all the time. You see? So to know yourself, you have to use the emotional intelligence. And that's the force in, in manifestation, the thought being the steering wheel, the fear being the brake, and the love and the passion being the accelerator. So the good news is we can look at negativity in our lives and study it, and learn from it, and modify, alter our uh, decisions as a result of it, and then let it go, without fearing, or being superstitious, of manifesting every single negative thing. You've got to care about it. You've got to put some love into it. you got to have some passion. you got to breathe, and close your eyes, and Slowly turn away from physical sense and sensation to the inner dimensions, uh, where there is no space and time, and where consciousness is magnetic and forms the, the the magnetic field. Now that's what you're creating is the etheric form when you manifest an object. Most of our manifestation is situation, relationship, opportunity. Uh, it's not. This is where the secret goes off the deep end. It's not about cars and houses and stuff. It's about the energy field that that material stuff precipitates out of. You know, it's a, the ancient wisdom talks about precipitation as these levels of of ethers that become gases and then uh, you know condenses liquids and then um, could even come into solid form like ice, for example an allegory just like the reverse um, consciousness going from lead to gold or water to wine bread rising, those kinds of allegories really rich and beautiful Okay, so the solution obviously to this first kind of problem is the law of attraction positive thinking, uh, act as if you've already got it, visualize it and use the higher powers of of consciousness, of love, truth, of harmony, and wisdom to manifest things, yes, but more importantly, states, conditions, and relationships that are for the greater good. And this is the next point for the greater good. You know, I'm going to set a pretty high bar here. It's not mine. And Hardly anything I share with you guys is mine. Again, this is ageless wisdom from all cultures and in all societies. But um, the oh, uh, no, I just jeez, I just spaced out on the point I wanted to make. You know, sometimes that happens when uh, you feel really strongly about something. I just went off on a little person while I was talking. I just went off on a personal little heartfelt thing, so I'm sure that will come back to me because it is so important to this uh, whole idea of manifestation here it comes for the greater good see it's magnetic just let it come back it's got to be for the greater good when I talk about setting a higher bar I'm talking about the idea that black magic or evil is anything that is done only for the separative self and better said, without regard to the impact on other people around you. And you might say, well, wait a minute, it's not black magic or, or a misuse of consciousness if, if I just want something good for me, is it? And again, well, yeah, the wisdom sort of says it is. That all of your actions should be for the greater good. Now, that doesn't mean you need to understand them or be, you know, Uh, recognize the impact you're going to have it's an attitude that uh, you know I'm part of that greater good it's no sacrifice to want to serve other people you see it's not an either or I'm part of that greater good so it's just like instead of you or me benefiting it gets to be you and me benefiting and I'm I'm doing it for us and hopefully you'll benefit I can't even force that upon you see it's not things that we do for other people it's the self that we're manifesting for you know i will be right uh, you can bully other people you know on these levels as well as on physical levels but the idea is to do all of your work for the greater good And you can just add a rejoiner to it uh, anytime you Say, affirmation or visualize a desired outcome, remembering that happiness and joy is the way, you just stick on the end of it, provided it's uh, for the greater good. Or people who um, sometimes think of themselves as religious might say, thy will be done, sort of a Christian kind of a thing to say. And that works too, thy will be done. You know, if it's God's will that kind of a concept so you definitely you might want to give that some thought also you know like i have choices my choices are in the areas of attitude and response can't can't really control much about what's done to me but i can control that is choose how i look at it and how i respond So I have choices. My choices are in my perception, my attitude and my response. Attitude and perception being that middle point between stimulus and response, between cause and effect. That's consciousness in the middle. That's the heart and soul. I'm the one that's looking at this. It's not just done to me. I I can detach and be mindful and take a look at what's happening to me and be that I am. And then proactively... Choose a response, not just some knee-jerk reaction, but substitute an even-tempered, well-reasoned response for those knee-jerk reactions. And I am that. I am tasvirasi. Thou art that, the one that stands above and could be a choice. Imagine that. And my choices are for the greater good. You see, always for the greater good. Even if you don't know how, you know what that is. You just put that energy out, provided it's for the greater good. I think there's a lot of that missing in some of the uh, introductory literature to the law of attraction and basic metaphysics okay you can you can do black magic you can use the law of attraction um, to hurt other people or attempt to um Although the boomerang karma, the instant karma, is atrocious. Or you could use so-called gray magic, I suppose, just to benefit the self. Not wanting to hurt anybody, but just to benefit the self. But uh, the impact is really limited. I've read a couple of sources say, you know, the astral plane is about as far as you can go with that stuff. Now, that's real enough for most people. That's where a lot of folks live. Uh, astrally, you know, they're totally emotionally driven, uh, not very well grounded, not not very organized in their heads, and a lot of turmoil, a lot of being buffeted around by the by the astral, the weather, the emotional weather, if you will, of the astral plane. But uh, I don't, you know, do what you will. But I'm sure everybody on this call is interested in, uh, you know. The axiom, using your power for good, you know, and uh, and it's interesting watching that play out in some of the politics this past week, Um, you know, Sarah Palin talking about Republicans are the real patriots because they see America as a force for good, and that implies that those of us who are critical, we must see it as a force for bad, because there's only two ways to think, you know. So let me mention now this middle way, this middle kind of problem, then we'll summarize and we'll go to questions and we'll do an alpha journey. You know, here, uh, Michael Benner, who built a radio career on opposing binary thinking, either or thinking, and looking for the middle way, and discovering Buddhism and philosophy, actually, as a result of all of that, is now giving us this model that there's only two kinds of problems, either this kind of problem or that kind of problem. Hey, Michael, what's the deal? (laughs) Well, these are the poles. These are the two sides of the coin. And so the third kind of problem would be anything in the middle, right, as we've already discussed. And that would be a problem um let, let's go back to our original question. Instead of asking when I'm facing a problem, what do I do or what do you think I should do, we're going to learn to ask, do I know what I want? And if the answer is yes, I do know very clearly what I want, we're going to do the two techniques I'm going to teach you today. If the answer is no, I don't know what I want, you'll do the problem solving or I'm sorry, the decision making Uh, tools and techniques that we'll talk about next week when we don't know what we want. But the third way is, well, what if I come down in the middle? What if I sort of know what I want? I mean, sort of, kind of, a little bit, I mean, to a certain degree, but help, Michael, I'm sort of in the middle here. Well, if you sort of know what you want, then go ahead and visualize it and use the Mirror the Mind, the Law of Attraction technique, and the worksbook works book technique I'm going to teach you about today. And if in visualizing that outcome, you just get a feeling of this is not enough, this is incomplete, then your fallback will, will be to then go to the decision-making part we talk about next week as if you have no idea what goal or solution would be the, the best outcome or result for you. You see, but the reason I teach it in this order and in this way is if you sort of kind of know what you want, assume that's enough and go ahead and do today's techniques and you'll know if it's inadequate if it's too vague you know you're trying to experience already having doing being what this vague thing um, and so you it's back to the drawing boards and we'll we'll cover that next week so wanted to make sure that you understood that aspect of it. Okay, So uh, there was one little missing element here, and that's uh, going back to the idea of how does the positive thinker deal with negativity. And I talked about the system ejection balances there and the focus and passion and all of that. So you can look at the negative. The implication of what I'm saying, and I'll now say more clearly, is worry once. The most elegant way to think negatively is to take it all the way full tilt boogie to the wall. Look at the worst case scenario, the darkest, scariest part of this face. The heart of your fear. The heart of darkness. Okay. And say, what would I do if? Okay, well that'd be pretty horrible and pretty ugly and pretty desperate, but yeah, okay, yeah, I'd get through that. So now when wordy gnaws at you and says, you haven't looked at every possible way your life could go south, you say, well, I can't afford to dwell on the negative because I'll attract that. And I've already looked at the worst, and if I can handle that, I can handle everything short of that without having to parse it and review it and dwell upon it and cultivate weeds in my garden, don't you see? worry once and then go back to your positive thinking the new approach to problem solving must be not what do I do but do I know what I want if you don't we'll talk about that next week what do you do when you don't know what you want how do you see the choices how do you see more choices okay how do I prioritize how do I make decisions next week is decision making when you do, however, know what you want, and you've got a pretty darn good idea, crisp and clear and detailed, this is self-hypnosis, this is the law of attraction, this is putting on, through love, truth, consciousness, a magnetic net to create the etheric energies that allow this thing, or more often, this circumstance or situation, event, or relationship to manifest in your life, this opportunity to open up this doorway before you. Okay, positive thinking—that's all it is. And listing. I want you to buy a book called "It Works" by R.H.J. The author only uses his initials R.H.J. His name actually is Jarrett, but uh, and he did write some other books. But be that as it may, I want you to look. Uh, Devores publishes it on the Marina del Rey, D E V O R S S. You probably know the divorce Publishing House. It's on Amazon. You can get it on Amazon. It's simply called It Works and it's three and a half dollars. It's a little booklet. It looks religious. Don't be put off by the cover. It's it's spiritual but it's not religious. It's beyond religion. It's the law of attraction in a list. Read the book three times before you begin to make the list and then keep reading the book again and again and read the list every day. It is a beta brainwave level, wide awake consciousness way of canceling out negative thinking and worry with a list, a goals list of what you want. And the book tells you how to do it. You can read the book in twenty minutes. It's a little booklet. It works by RHJ that's the first technique the second is the law of attraction it's the mirror of the mind technique and again from time out of mind all cultures, all societies this is the oracle this is the looking glass this is the calm pool this is scrying and the crystal ball um, for receiving and sending but we're going to use it for sending here Uh, basic self-hypnosis the law of attraction as the mirror of the mind, and that's the alpha journey we're going to do, the guided imagery exercise we're going to do in uh, just a matter of minutes. So I think that's pretty much the overview, the two kinds of techniques with which we'll approach problem solving when we do know the outcome, how to deal with the negativity And we've talked about happiness is the way and working for the greater good. I think that's a pretty good overview. Let's go to the um, comments and questions that are being posted right now on the Internet. If you're listening live on this, what are we, the 12th of October, 2008, on this Sunday afternoon, Sunday morning in Maui, evening in Europe, uh, and you're on the web, not the telephone, you can use that submission box down in the bottom and uh just put in your first name in the city in the lower box and just above that a little comment, say hi. And we'll acknowledge you here in uh Irvine, Southern California. Robert says Aloha Michael. He says, Who is the artist for the music playing before your program? That's a uh album called Liquid Liquid Music, I think, but I don't remember if that's the album or the name of the band. I think it's Liquid Music. Let me look that up for you, Robert, and have that for you uh, in the future. Or email me if you really want to know. It's a great meditation album, and I think he did three or four, mostly for practitioners and and uh, facilitators and such. Hey, T3's on the line from Gary, Indiana. Sup, Michael? This is Theodore, the thinker, listening to the show. And T3 is nice to hear from you. Uh, Carol Postel in La Habra. Hello to Michael and Doreen. Linda in Eugene is with us this morning. Aloha, Linda. And uh, let's see. Orange County, Doreena. Uh, hi, Michael. Nice to be with you today. She wants to know if we've seen Religious yet, Bill Maher's movie. Um, i'm anxious to see it he is talking about dorina here is talking about mar falling into dualistic thinking either it's religion or nothing and uh yeah i'd love to sit down with bill mark <laughs> and uh let him know about philosophy and that uh you know esoteric philosophy and just comparative philosophy in general um uh, offers so many of alternatives and yet none of it's rigid or crystallized or dogmatic and and yet is so rich and beautiful in terms of the material world being imbued with an energy or a spirit that's alive and breathing and, and feels like love. Um, you know, I know he wants to get high, he talks about pot all the time, so imagine if you tripped on to meditation, that would be a nice alternative. But I, I suspect you're right about that. Uh, Dorina, nice to hear from you. Uh, Let's see. Dale and Lisa Burbank saying hi. Kicking and listening to the podcast here today or the uh, webinar here today. Yeah, we are available by podcast too. The replays, the archives, the podcast, all of that stuff. In Pittsburgh, uh, John says, hello, listening with some friends on the porch. It's 80 degrees here today. Well, Hello, John. And uh, I think I just saw that uh that uh Joe Biden and his wife and Hillary and bill were all in uh in philly this afternoon, and out of tucson uh Laura La hat says hello michael uh do you know what you really want? Never mind, you just answered my question great class uh thanks for the enlightenment, love to you, all thanks, things Laura Lachette. And let me see if anybody else has piled on here. Uh, out of Las Vegas, Greg Simonian. Hello, Greg. Nice to hear from you again. And in Highland Park outside Los Angeles, Kevin says, uh, having a hard time with the idea that to love be loved and being happier, not goals. I was starved of these things early on. And now, uh, modestly, see them as the ultimate goal of a well-lived life. Hear what you're saying. Can't connect. And uh, Robert in Ocean Science is howdy, too. Kevin, work on it, man. That's okay. I'm not saying that, um, you know, the really, geez, it's just like this concept that I mentioned before that I credit to Steve of bringing into my realization that, of course, we set goals to attain them. But, you know, part of paradox in philosophy is understanding there are other truths that can also be true. And the idea that you set a goal not to attain it so much as to begin to move toward it is also rich. Okay, So if you can't connect, how about trying the both thing that is so important in philosophy. The the both is the and, and again that's the unitive or the harmonious nature of love. Love can hold a paradox. Love is the only thing that can hold a paradox. The happiness you're talking about being uh, is, is, is is obviously quality of love. So to say it's not a goal is probably an overstatement on my part. But let me concede your point and then say maybe it's not only a goal, it's also the way to the goal, and that both things are true. But I still feel like saying it's more true (laughs) than it's a way because you don't want to defer your happiness if your happiness is a goal that's easily deferred and and the nature of the mind is to constantly obsess on all these reasons why you're not happy like you need a reason to be happy I did a program a few weeks ago you can check the archives happiness for no reason and listen to that and see if it doesn't flesh this out for you and appreciate your candor and that's cool if you you know at least you're aspiring to it. Imagine somebody who thinks love is the the way to a goal arguing with somebody who says, No, love is the goal and we're both so loving we're gonna step outside and settle it, right? <laughs> so, okay. Uh it's almost the top of the hour. Let's do our guided imagery actually. Let me see if anybody I gotta refresh the screen, see if anybody else is on board here. Oh yeah. Um, Kareem in Cerrito says hi hello Kareem how can people get past magical thinking thanks for the show again by magical thinking we're talking about the in this context the neurosis as listed in the DSM which is a fear an anxiety disorder a fear uh, an obsession that any thought that comes into your head is going to manifest immediately okay now magical thinking can be used in wonderful and positive ways because we're magicians and we're magical thinkers, but we know it has to have passion and it has to have intention behind it. Um, so that's the distinction we're making here. And managing anxiety, Kareem, would be um, the primary antidote to any anxiety disorder: to breathe, to relax. To be mindful, to do periods of meditation, to connect with nature, to dig in the dirt, to use humor, to communicate your feelings, to eat good food, real food, organic food, um, to get enough sleep, and not take life so damn seriously. Stop worrying. (laughs) Life knows what it's doing. We may not know what George Bush is up to, but life knows what it's doing. And I'm not gonna get in a debate today, we could do it in another show about free will versus destiny. But again it's one of those both deals. Okay, the heart the heart tends to make everything true but to varying degrees. That's the secret. Something might be only one percent true and mostly foul and vile, you see but it has its little tiny sliver of truth, and vice versa. Those are the dots of the opposite in the yin and the yang. That pendulum can never go so far to one side that it escapes the influence of the other side, you see. We are contained in that sense, as long as we're informed. So breathe, relax, those are some of the tips to stress management. Dance, move, connect to the earth, you know, all of that. And uh, let's see. Let me zoom in a little on my screen here. Zena Mission Viejo. Why do we put passion to our negative thinking in the first place when they give us stress and anxiety? Because we're afraid not to. Because we're we're afraid not to. This is one of the greatest uh, mind bogglers of personal development. Is that people believe many of us. Maybe everybody for some time in their life, but many people for in their whole lives believe that the way to feel safe is by feeling afraid, and the way to ensure that fear is going to come upon you is to tempt yourself to feel safe, that I'm too afraid to feel safe, and I'm not safe enough to feel afraid, and, and my fear makes me safe. But if I really feel safe, that's too scary. It's just insane and yet it's core to the human belief system. Fear is not our friend, you see. That's only in fight or flight when you're facing real, clear, and present danger. We have to train the brain to distinguish danger from simple confusion and overstimulation and living in a crazy world led by megalomaniacs. Who else would want to be in politics and... and, uh, Wall Street. Who else inspires to that stuff? Also in uh, Madison formerly of uh, LA Uh, Tracy says have you ever felt that you're doing some good in the world and that it's satisfying but you need someone to do something good for you I'm feeling that now is this gendered I'm a woman. No I don't think it's gendered Uh, what a wonderful question this is uh, uh, usually codependence It comes from uh, unfulfilled childhood, not getting our love needs met. And so as adults, we continue to petition other people with our performance to love us and accept us. And it leads to the most common neurosis of all, which is feeling unappreciated and uh, taken for granted. And uh, I don't know what else to say about it except to assure you that everybody feels that and some more than others, and that it can be managed. Um, what, What you need to do, Tracy, is look at why. This may seem like a stupid question, but that's where the big answers are. Why do you need to feel appreciated? Why do you believe there is not enough satisfaction? Could it be that you are resisting the satisfaction that comes with doing for another? And feeling that deficit as if you need to be appreciated. Now, we all want somebody to say, good job, or you look pretty in that outfit, or, gee, thanks for this, or I really appreciate what you did for that. It's not too much to ask. But if we don't get it, that hurt that remains is ours. That's us not allowing ourselves to feel good enough. And it usually goes back to some point in our childhood where we were taught that very clearly you have failed to please mom and dad, and so therefore you're not good enough. But it's inner child work. Um, and that can be fixed real easily. You know, close your eyes, visualize. Uh, listen to uh, session one from three or four weeks ago on my archive page, the, the first of this FLY program from, as I say, what, four weeks ago. Lesson one, self-love. And uh, also session two, for that matter. Both have to do with the inner child. But nothing is more common than the codependence. I'm dependent upon you to make me feel good about what I do and appreciated and loved. And, you know, guys have that as well as the, the gals. That's, a, that's not a gender thing just a human thing, really is human everybody's got to some degree work on that there are incredible rewards in transcending the need to be appreciated the ego will always want it you know, I love applause I love kudos I love it when somebody says something nice about me you know, ego just wallows in that feels wonderful but if I need it, I know that I've regressed, I've fallen back, I've Forgotten that that's my responsibility to feel like I'm enough, you are your own judge, you know? okay, let's do our visualization now. thanks for those wonderful comments and oh well gosh, thanks all of you for being here with us uh today for this uh ageless wisdom mystery school webinar. Do a visualization exercise, and if you have to be someplace uh, let's see we've got. I never go more than 90 minutes, so that gives us about 23 minutes left. So let's do about a 15-20 minute, minute exercise here and we'll wrap it up. So provided this is a good time for you and uh, you're in a nice place where you're able to do this, I want you to get as comfortable as you can. And you can lay down, but you might go to sleep. That wouldn't be such a bad thing. Try to sit up, and sit up erect, but support yourself. Sit back, use a chair, sofa, pillows, get comfortable. And think of yourself as being connected to the earth. Feel your fanny on the chair or the sofa, feel your feet tucked up underneath you or perhaps flat on the floor. Feel connected to the ground but at the same time imagine that there's a point at the very top of your head where this spiral this wonderful beautiful vortex of energy is spinning whirlpooling gently down into the top of your head so that you're sort of like a battery you know connected on both poles
1: grounded
0: into the earth on one side the so-called negative side the positive side the the crown, the top of your head that's connected to the sky with this rainbow, or a gentle precipitation down of spirit, condensing, moving into the mind, still liquid, into the heart, where it is concretized into solids and the appearance of things this is who we are and this is what we do we are consciousness in form and we are here to create form to manifest in our image as we have been manifested in the image of the one who manifests the creator, the divine, the absolute and to use consciousness to create conscious forms thought forms emotional forms physical forms, conditions, states and circumstances and events and relationships and yes, even solid things. And to manifest these things and at the same time to magnetically lift the frequency, to refine, if you will, alchemically those forms that have already been manifested but are in need of refinement. Lifting them like lead to gold, and 14 carat to 18 carat, onward, upward toward pure water to wine, intoxicating spirits, lifting us, lifting the heart, lifting the mind. As we grow, as we unfold, as you just get a sense of yourself moving toward all that you could be, All that is within you now, waiting to come forward. As the mightiest oak tree was once contained in a little acorn. And somehow it had the innate knowledge to manifest itself as this magnificent tree. that contributes to the nature of life plant, animal and human all around it, and it's filled with a bounty of more acorns, thousands and thousands more that even more trees can come forward. This is the abundance and the and the bounty of nature, and you are that. And, and we are dreamers and we are supposed to dream of the of the goals and the solutions. We're not merely targets or victims or effects of a life that comes at us and is done to us unless we dwell upon it, in which case, of course, we reinforce it. And what a hilarity that we make helplessness true, that we use our magnificent ability to create, to manifest a life of helplessness and victimization. When we wonder at humor, what could be funnier? But eventually we begin to sort it out, and standing on the shoulders of those who've come before us, things become more clear and we realise that whatever is our attitude, our world view or our belief system, we are such that it tends to come about as if thoughts uh, as if thoughts were seedlings, as if thoughts were things. As if our emotional nature and our passion and our love and our enthusiasm and yes, even our heartache is a force that drives the energy of vision when we put the two together the energy of the will with the force of the heart when we manifest in the physical that's not only what we do it's the essence of who we are say to yourself silently and internally I am that I am thou art that you are that not this so much caretakers of this and, and so ensconced in this we must practice remembering that thou art that in form but above and free of form and appropriating this so that it can become more of that, better and better wiser, more harmonious, more loving Lifting from the dark into the light. From the hurt into the healed. Just, just go with that. Growth. What if growth were simply the longing of the hurt to be healed? Or the longing of the part to be whole. Feel that as you see now. Yourself having, doing, and being your desired outcome. And if you have many, choose just one. If you have a list of goals and solutions choose one now and imagine as if you've taken a trip forward in time that you already have it if it's a bunch of new clothes you're wearing the clothes if it's a new car you're driving the car smell the new car smell Eh-eh, honk the horn see yourself pulling it into your parking place If it's a new job, the ideal job, imagine yourself right now on that job. If you you like to be left alone, this is the perfect job. They're leaving you alone. If you love to be with people, this is the perfect job. You're with cool people all day long. And you see yourself going to the bank to put your paycheck in and finally feeling like you're getting paid what you're worth. Wow, feel that now. Every cell in your body. You're allowing the abundance of life to flow through you. You're allowing it. You always thought you had to do it. Now you're allowing yourself to feel it. It's not something we do. Growth and healing is who we are. And this is how we do it. It's belief. It's faith. It's love. It's truth. It's consciousness. Experience yourself already having it. In these levels of mind, give no thought as to what it took to get here. Let that go. As if having taken a trip forward in time, experience yourself already here in the goal, in the solution, in your desired result. and later with eyes open taking action steps preparing to receive out into the world you can put your attention on how you got here but in these levels of mind visualizing imagining guided imagery the feeling that you're making it up is exactly the right feeling but so safe, and so relaxed, breathe. This is the place to experience already having it. You know, like you ordered it from Amazon, and you're not sure it might be coming FedEx or UPS, or you don't know, but it'll be here. You could track it if you wanted, but it's coming. It's out there someplace. See? It's the law of attraction. It's out there someplace, and Love, as consciousness, is truth, is pulling it toward you. And at the same time, lifting us up, lifting us all up gently. That's what this universe is doing. We just need to accelerate the process a little bit. In fact, you could even imagine a time in the future and some real significant number of people in the world understand these simple principles these ancient and ageless teachings from time out of mind you can see it happening in politics you can see it happening in social change you can see it happening in the quantum level of what's being understood about string theory and particle atomic theory and on the macro level is we look deeper and deeper into the universe, more beautiful and more magnificent all the time. People are being changed. The rate of evolution is evolving. It's not necessary. <laughs> the argument about whether it exists or not, such a thing as evolution, evolution of the species Darwin knew of evolution of consciousness. He was trained in the mystery schools. As you are being trained. He just couldn't write about evolution of consciousness. So he wrote about evolution of the species. Mostly an unconscious process. Dream your dreams. Anytime you have a problem that is of the type that we've discussed today. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what I want. Oh, I can feel it. I can, I'm not sure how to get there. But, yeah, man. Then act as if you've already got it. Turn it over to the higher power. And In fact, imagine now planting a magic bean or a seed that corresponds to this particular goal or solution. And don't defer your happiness. We've acknowledged a few minutes ago that happiness can be a goal, but even, even so, nourish the seed with your happiness and your joy. Use love and happiness to create more happiness and love. Happiness is the way. Love is the way. Peace is the way. Nourish this thought seed with the waters of love and soil and light. And imagine that seed sprouting as you stand up and dust yourself off and step back and get out of the way, and your job is now done. You've turned it over to a higher power, a power so natural. We call it nature, and we capitalize the world. Stand back, for this is not religion. These are basic principles of nature, of thoughts, are the seedlings of reality nourished by the passions of your love, your happiness. And your desire to contribute to the greater good of all concerned. And feel the letting go as you walk away, as you turn and walk away. Letting go. Letting go. And in a moment, I'm going to suggest that you open your eyes wide awake. But take your time. Stay right here for a moment. And reorient yourself to the sound of my voice, thinking about the room in which you sit, and yet still aware of your ability to be here in your imagination. And to make this a kind of a home base in the alpha brainwave level, the Christ consciousness, the Buddha awareness of the lucid dream. Imagine this as a paradise tropical or a pine woods high in a mountain or deep in a valley with waterfalls and cascades and sunny meadows and cool enchanted shady places all magical and mystical and wonderful you knew how to do this as a child you know how to do this dream your dreams and let your dreams come true and dare to dream and risk being all that you can be even though it means giving up to some degree what you have been shed that skin be willing at any moment to give up what you've been to become more of who you really are and so just bring with you the affect the general feeling Of having attained this goal or solution, this desired result. And looking forward to using a technique like this, the Law of Attraction, the Mirror of the Mind, the Looking Glass, and the It Works book list by RHJ, to bring more focus and more passion, more power and more force, to manifesting and refining for the greater good of all concerned however it plays out the dance of free will and providence together both things and so make no effort simply tell yourself how easily you can carry this affect of peace and self confidence and ease and grace and elegance with you back into the room. As you take a nice, slow, deep breath now, hold as you peek and now exhale slowly. Feel the letting go in your body and open your eyes, wide awake and alert, refreshed and rested and back in the room. Ah, there you go, feeling pretty good about things. Problem solving first of two problematic situations it's not a question of what do i do it's a question of do i know what i want and if you do follow through with your works book list and the law of attraction mirror the mind as taught in a myriad of different ways positive thinking right. and for those situations where we don't know what we want that's decision-making. We'll talk about that next week. As long, uh, i tell you, we're also going to teach some really cool techniques about how to go to sleep, how to remain asleep, how to go back to sleep if you wake up, um, how to remember your dreams, understand your dreams, how to incubate dreams, and also a spirit guide technique for tapping into the wisdom on demand. Imagine wisdom on demand. That's available to you. It's just not logical. It's not illogical, it's a-logical. <laughs> it's intuitive and it's available. It's just standing there as if behind some big dam waiting for you to open the spigot and tap in. And We'll let you know how to do that next week. And uh, gosh, anytime you can make it live, please be here. It's so much fun to hear from you and be able to respond to your questions and comments. But know also the replays are archived on my website, along with a really cool gadget where you can send past classes by email as links to friends of yours, as many classes to as many friends as you want. It's all free. It's a, it's a public service of focuspassion.com and I uh, hope you are able to make it, if possible, live every Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock West Coast time, 4 o'clock in the East, 20 hours GMT. And with that, Thanks again for being here. Mahalo. Aloha. And as always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Bennett.